welcome to the Jess and the Guest podcast. Today, my guest is the one, the only, the incredible Carol Baskin. We talk everything with her relationship with Howard, her current relationship with Joe Exotic, how she's currently working to save tigers, and she even gives me dating advice. She's incredible, and I hope you stay tuned. Hello. Hi, Carol. How are you? Great. How are you? You look so nice. Thank you. I love that you wore the spots today. I tried. I was like, how do I impress Carol? No. (laughs) That's the way. (laughs) Yeah. How are you doing? How's everything going? Just wonderful. I apologize if there's some noise in the background. They are reflooring the office today. Oh, nice. Oh, that's exciting, though. (laughs) So how are you staying sane during quarantine? I feel like you're doing so much right now. I'm like, how are you doing it? (laughs) Teach me. During the hardest parts of my life, I've really been blessed by virtue of the fact that there's always so much going on that it has managed to distract me from the craziness. And I think it's been true here of COVID as well. There's just so many. Well, one is I had to let half of my staff go. So we were 20 people and now we're 10 people doing the work of 20 people. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. God, how do you time manage really well? I'm guessing because I would not be able to do that. I think I do. My husband always complains that he cannot time manage well, and it means that he ends up working usually until like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. Oh God! Whereas I can usually get most of my stuff done by five. So, I I think it is through being able to multitask. Yeah. I love your relationship with Howard. You guys just seem to fit perfectly. I'm, what when you first met him? What were you thinking? Well, the first time I ever saw him, he was walking up the stairs of the aquarium ahead of me. And the way that we had met was we were going to a function about rescuing domestic dogs and cats. And we ended up there a half hour ahead of everybody else. But when I first saw him going up the steps, my first thought was, you know, he was 11 years my senior. He was dressed in a suit. He has a back problem. So he walks very stiffly. And I thought, man, I could really loosen that guy up. (laughs) And, you know, of course, he's a Harvard MBA and he has a law degree and he's just a very professional yeah. person. And then here I am, you know, so it it is the perfect combination because we have nothing in common, <laughs> but we actually complement each other very well. Oh, no, I love it. You both just seem to, it just fits perfectly. I haven't seen that really in a lot of people. So it's really cool and inspiring to see. But oh. yeah, how, um, I'm trying to think. When you guys dress alike, like how often do you pick out your outfits? I always love that when you're matching and like different <laughs> styles. Usually it's only been for the fur ball. We used to do a big gala that would have six to 800 people. Yeah. And we would sometimes dress alike for that. I think in Tiger King and in one of the uh, Justin Bieber videos that we had sent him a little clip, we had dressed alike with one of our outfits from the fur ball. <laughs> just for fun yeah why not oh, we don't go around town dressing alike <laughs> I would love it if you did though so no <laughs> will you ever come out with a line of clothing do you think or any outfits or any tiger print outfits or anything you know we were approached by a lot of people for licensing opportunities on different things like this is one of my favorite ones this was um they're called U2s. Oh, and it was our wedding photo. So I came dressed like this to our wedding, yeah. as most people know. And my husband came dressed in a tiger toga. 
So that was cute. But um, nobody has come to me about doing clothing, but there's this company called Honey Me USA. Mm -hmm. And while I was dancing with the stars, they sent me a whole laundry basket full of these shirts. And they all come in different kinds of cat prints and different combinations. But I just, I love them because they are all flowy. Yeah. Especially right now, I this is like the first time I put on real clothes and like, I don't know, forever, I feel like, but it's fine. All good. Yeah, what was Dancing with the Stars like? You were great on it. Like, how was that whole process? Oh, man. Um, you know, the only reason that I did Dancing with the Stars was I felt like Tiger King had absolutely missed the boat when it came to talking about the animal abuse and what we need to do to end that. Yeah. And so when I was talking to the administrative people there at Dancing with the Stars, Mm -hmm. they said they could give me a platform like I had never seen before. And I didn't know anything about the show, Yeah, but um, they said they do these little packages for each one of the stars about their life. And I could talk about the cats. And then they, you know, said I could use all this cat music and the cat costuming and all of that to keep people thinking about and talking about big cats. So that was just fabulous. And even they could not teach me to dance. (laughs) There was no teaching this old dog how to dance. But um, I was really trying hard because I felt like every week I could stay on the show. I could keep that message out there. But even after I got scratched from the show, they still set up um, radio tours for me where they'd have like a person set up 10 or 12 different radio stations that I would talk to just one after the other. And then they did that with television media and print media. And so they just kept helping the cats. And I thought that was just so wonderful of them because they didn't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, it was a great opportunity to change the narrative from talking about the freak show that was Tiger King into the important issues, which is saving the tiger from extinction. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I give you so much credit because you're putting yourself in such a vulnerable place. Like I don't want to dance around my house with people watching, let alone like on such a big show. So I give you so much credit for doing so much work and yeah, I I don't know how you did it. Did anything surprise you about the show or Did you go in like expecting it to be one way or anything? Well, I had never seen the show before that. So I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Um, I was really surprised by how difficult it was to learn to dance. And I had never danced. It was a sin in my family. But I thought, how hard could that be? It just doesn't look that hard. And I had watched some of the YouTube clips after they told me that they wanted me on the show to see, you know, well, what are those people doing? And is there any chance I can do that? And they're like, Cloris Leachman did it. You could do it. And so she was like 80, I think, at the time that she danced. And so when I saw that, I was like, I just don't know how on earth they could possibly teach me to do those kinds of moves. And they were insisting, you know, these dance pros are really good and they'll just sling you around on the floor. Your feet won't even touch the ground. You don't, you won't know what's happening. And it turned out that it was actually a whole lot harder than that. (laughs) And running around on that slippery floor in those shoes, those shoes are made to have like little slippery surfaces so that you can spin and stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to be 60 this year. And all I could think is if I go sliding down those steps or sliding across that floor, I'm going to break something. Yeah. And so I was really like tense the whole time I was doing it. Yeah. One of the things people said they thought would be really difficult is dancing in front of so many people. Yeah. But 
there weren't any people there because it was COVID-19. So there was the cast and we all had to act like we were a bunch of fans and we were clapping our hands off at yeah. each other. You know, as the other people were dancing, it was all of us yeah. <laughs> who were clapping and carrying on because there wasn't a live audience. So I didn't have to experience that kind of stage fright that everybody before 2020 had to. Oh, that's amazing though. I thought you were great. I, I can barely walk without like feeling like I'm going to trip or fall. So I give you so much credit, but so Tiger King, are you sick of talking about Tiger King? I feel like he must be tired of talking about it. <laughs> I would be tired about talking about it, but. Yeah, it just, you know, it was just such a missed opportunity. Yeah. And they tried to make this feud out of something that wasn't there. I've yeah. never had a conversation with Joe Exotic. I've never spoken to him. And I just go after all of these people that are exploiting and abusing big cats. And I created a website at 911 Animal Abuse. Mm -hmm. And I did that because so many people come to me and say, you know, I saw this zoo and I don't know what to think of them. And rather than having to answer the same emails over and over and over again, I had created this website years ago and I would put everything that I found about a particular zoo under the name of the zoo owner because they changed their names all the time to hide their bad deeds. And so all of their USDA inspection reports that I could find, if there were uh, people that had been there that had reported seeing different things, if they would allow me to share their photos or their videos. And so this way there was like a complete bio on all of what we call the bad guys. Yeah. And the bad guys hated that because they were doing everything they could to obscure their backgrounds and their citations. And especially with Joe Exotic, he had 21 different names that he was operating under. Insane. And yeah. And if you didn't know who he was, I mean, yeah. these people are, I think, great con artists that are capable of telling you it's all about conservation and that, you know, petting the cub is going to save them in the wild and nothing could be further from the truth. So the, the only good thing that came out of the, the series, Tiger King, is the fact that so many people didn't even know that existed yeah. and didn't know how horrific it was behind the scenes. And even though they only got like a tiny snippet of it, yeah. it was enough that I think people really um, took it to heart and said, this is not how we treat tigers. This is not what we want. And so I think that's why our federal bill is doing as well as it's doing right now. And I think it'll become law this year to oh, stop abetting. Yeah. Good. I'm so glad. How you're such an open, like kind person. How do you deal with such negativity? Like I would be, I would not be as kind as you are. <laughs> I would be very, I don't know. So I'm like, how do you, how do you remain so strong and still be open and kind when like there's so much like negativity in the world too right now. Yeah, there is an awful lot of negativity, not just around the way people treat me, but yeah. just the way people are treating each other right now that I find very disappointing. I think the reason I'm able to deal with it is twofold. One is because my personal philosophy is that we are all connected and we're all one. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we keep coming back to try and bring all of us to a higher sense of enlightenment and awareness. And so I think everybody is on that path to enlightenment, but they're just at different points along the path. And so even for the people that I find to be so cruel or vile or um, unaware of what they're doing to the planet and to our yeah. natural resources, I, I have to believe that they are all connected to us in a way to bring out the best in us. And so if Joe Exotic is, you know, 
telling lies about me and getting people all stirred up. And that creates some television show that a bunch of people see. And even though people came away from that, believing that I killed my husband and fed him to the tigers. <laughs> so the, yeah. yeah. Even if that is their takeaway from it, all of the good that has happened since then in being able to reach people with the message about why we need to protect the tiger right now, or we're going to yeah. lose the tiger completely in the wild. All of that, I think, has happened for a reason. And that reason always turns out to be good, no matter how horrible it may be during the actual experiencing of it. Yeah. <laughs> So it's that kind of philosophy that helps me. And then the second part of that is I've been going after these animal exploiters and abusers since 1992. So it's been what close to 30 years of dealing with these very abusive people that are, you know, they're both harming animals and the people in their orbits. And so it's been, my experience for such a long time that I don't take it personally and I don't um, I don't suffer from it. Whereas so many people, maybe even you, you just saw this in the last year and you're like, oh my God, how did she deal with these people? And it's like, well, you just, you just saw the last (laughs) few months of my life. You didn't see what it took to get here to to have this level of peace. Yeah. I'm like, how do you do it? Like I, because I was watching an interview you did before and you said like there are people a lot crazier than Joe or you said it in a much better way than I just said it but um and I was like how are people crazier that I thought he was the craziest person <laughs> just watching him, I was like how is he a real person like this is insane so I can't even imagine dealing with someone I can't even imagine a crazier person let alone dealing with someone like that because you, you know what I would love to see is somebody do a television show where they interview a bunch of psychologists and psychiatrists yeah. about these kinds of people. It's yeah. like what makes them tick? Yeah, I think people would like to know. Um, as far as them all being so frightening, and I don't know if crazy is the right word for them, but I I get what you're saying there. Yeah. The reason the others are so much more frightening than Joe is that they're quieter about what they're doing. Yeah, They don't go around telling everybody what they're planning to do. And so it makes it a lot harder for law enforcement to catch them. And law enforcement never, ever would have been able to catch Joe and put him away for the things that he did if it hadn't been for the people closest to him, his own husbands turning on him and turning him in. Yeah, Because they're just smarter than the people authorities that are going after them they're amazing con men and even when they get caught they are so good at being able to talk their way out of the situation that was the scariest thing for me in the trial with joe was he only had to convince one of those jurors that there was some level of doubt and it would have been a hung jury and we didn't even stay for the entire trial because we were so sure he was so good at conning people that he was going to be able to con at least one of them. And he didn't, which just blew my mind. That was more shocking to me than anything that not one person fell for him because so many have over the years. Yeah. But the others, I mean, Mario Tabro down in Miami, I mean, one, he's a lot closer to where I live. I'm in Tampa and he's only four hours away. And he had a history of serving, he, he was hit with 100 years in jail as being one of the biggest kingpins in cocaine in our history. 
And he managed to plea out by going state's evidence and got it down to 12 years. And as soon as he got out, he went right back into the exotic animal industry. So that tells me that I think that a lot of these people that are um, kingpins of either drug trafficking, gun trafficking, human trafficking, I think a lot of them use the animal industry as a cover for how it is that they make an income because it's a cash income. Um, You know, when you're charging people 20 bucks a person to pay to have their picture made with a cub, I don't think a lot of that is getting reported to the IRS. And it gives them a way of saying that they're a legitimate business. And that explains why there's all these people coming and going at all hours of the day and night. And so I think that that's another reason why we really need to crack down on that industry. Yeah. And I've had other people in that industry threaten me physically. I mean, I've had uh, Dennis Hill, who was the guy with the long beard in Tiger King. He was the first person who ever said that he was going to have someone kill me. And he was referring to Mario Tabro as being the person he thought he could get to do it. God, and yeah. then when I go to speak out at um, Florida Wildlife Commission hearings about protecting Florida panthers or protecting bobcats from being used as hunting lures for dogs to train on and things like that, mm-hmm. the people in the same industry that you saw in Tiger King will show up. And so there's a guy named Vernon Yates who actually physically attacked me twice at oh. those events because they don't want me to speak. And that's just been the nature of what it is to speak up for big cats for these nearly 30 years. So that's why when I say Joe is just not nearly as scary, it's because these other people are so much scarier than he is. All right, Jess and the guest listeners, someone who is currently quarantining with their family, I've never needed therapy more in my life. I feel like everyone could use that. And luckily there's a place like betterhelp.com. Again, that's betterhelp.com. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And uh, Jess and the Guest listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Jess and the Guest. This will help you with everything. It puts you in touch with a licensed counselor within 48 hours, which, dear God, we all need that, <laughs> truly. So again, that's betterhelp.com slash Jess and the Guest, and you'll get 10% off your first month. I was so glad too that you bought um, Joe Exotic's old farm or that Jeff Lowe owned now because I saw um, in one of your articles or maybe an interview that he left like three tigers, two bears, like it was just crazy wolves. Like eleven wolves, (laughs) insane. Yeah, the way we got the zoo was um, back in 2011, I think. I mentioned Joe Exotic had 21 different names, and so we were. He had a cub petting display that he took around to malls all around the country and every weekend he would be at a different mall with cubs and so they have to constantly be breeding these cubs because they can only use them from about eight weeks to 12 weeks so after that they discard the cubs sometimes kill the cubs Um, we think the cubs end up in the black markets these are the cats that end up in backyards and basements as pets And so we were estimating that there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 of these cubs every year that are being bred for people to pet. And then they either disappear or end up in horrible situations. And so we started going around to the malls and telling them, you know, look, this is abuse and this is why it's abusive. And they started canceling his act. And so as a way to fight against us, he changed the name or adopted another name of Big Cat Rescue 
entertainment. And then the entertainment was just a very light part underneath and it used our font for our logo. He used the, um, we had eyes at the top of our masthead on the website. Yeah. He used that as part of it. He's in Oklahoma, I'm in Tampa, which is an 813 area code. He created a business card that had an 813 phone number on it with, an eight, yeah. with a Tampa address. And so he said, when I go around to these places and operate as big cat rescue entertainment, they're going to think it's you. And so you can't speak out against me or you're going to ruin your own reputation. And that is exactly what it, he was doing. He was ruining our reputation using our name. And so we had to sue him to stop. And that yeah. was where we got the million dollar judgment against him. Good. But the animals are never considered part of the assets because once that tiger cub is 12 weeks old, it becomes a huge liability, not an asset. It costs us $10,000 per year per cat, just for the food and vet care, not for any of the overhead of the sanctuary. And so um, when we won that judgment, we've been chasing him through bankruptcy court ever since then. Yeah. And he keeps changing the name of his zoo. And then we have to file over again and start over to going after him. And so we've been doing this over and over and over again. It's just ridiculous how the legal system um yeah <laughs> works <laughs> I know. it's like but, a full-time job just trying to keep track of all of that let alone everything else you're doing and yeah god but the judge finally awarded the assets to us which would be the trucks and the trailers and the land so oh, that was how we got the gw zoo and he had to be out by october 3rd or october 1st mm-hmm and so we, I was flying back on October 3rd from Dancing with the Stars and my husband couldn't travel, but we had worked with a fellow who had put a number of these big, huge tiger mills out of business by going in. He, he would go in and buy the zoo and then send all of the animals out to sanctuaries. And so we asked him if he would take over the transfer from Jeff Lowe, who took over after Joe went to jail. And Jeff couldn't get all of the animals out in time, even though he had had, oh gosh, I think, many months that the sure, courts yeah. had given him to get out. And so he ended up leaving, as, as you mentioned, the three tigers, two bears and 11 wolves. And those went to a sanctuary out in Colorado where the tigers are going on to 85 acre lots. My so, God. yeah, and they were in uh, cages that were 200 square feet before. Wow. So it's a huge difference for yeah. all of those cats. Oh, and all of those animals. It seems like you've always loved animals. Did it start at a young age for you? Or um, like, did you know this was going to be your lifestyle or life and job? I was asked recently for a photo of me when I was a baby. And so I was pulling pictures out of the photo album. And you know how in the old style photo albums, they're like stuck to the page. Oh, yeah. Well, I pulled it out to look at it on the back. It was a picture of my, I had just come home from the hospital after being born. My father's holding a cat. My mother's holding me. And the cat's name was Tiger. And I thought, well, isn't that appropriate? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. But oh. I never really had a huge affinity for big cats. I always loved domestic cats. Yeah. It was just because I happened to be in the wrong place at the right time, I think, that we ended up rescuing so many of the exotic cats. In 1992, I was 30-something, and I had done Bobcat rehab and release since I was 17. But wow. uh, we were at an exotic animal auction buying llamas and the guy next to me was bidding on a Bobcat. And I leaned over to him and I said, when that cat grows up, she's going to tear your face off. And he said, I'm a taxidermist. I'm just going to club her in the head in the parking lot and make a den decoration out of her. 
And I had that exact same reaction, except I burst into tears. And so my husband started bidding and we came home with her, but she had been declawed. So she couldn't be released back to the wild. And so she was a wretched pet (laughs) as expected and was terrorizing everybody in the house. And so my husband um, started looking around for somebody that she could play with. And this guy said, I'll sell you a bobcat, but you have to come here in person to pick it up. And that was in Minnesota. And so when we got there, it turned out to be a fur farm and they had 56 bobcats and lynx. And we said, is there this big of a market for these as pets? Yeah. He said, oh, no. He said, when they get to be full eight, full size, we slaughter them for their fur. And they just take this little piece of belly fur, the white with the spots. And that's why it takes like 22 bobcats to make one little short coat. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I started crying again. And my husband said, how much for every cat here? And so we came home with 56 bobcats and lynx. And so that's what started the sanctuary. Wow. That's incredible. That's that's incredible. Thank you. I want to say thank you for doing all that. That's insane. My gut. I feel like you do so much too. I love your podcast where you're reading your diary now too. How did that come about? I, I would be so nervous reading my diary. So, but you do it so well. I'm like, how do you, how do you do this? So. Thank you. You know, we had worked on, um, we had worked on Tiger King for five years with the producers because they said that they were working on the Blackfish, her big cats. Did you yeah. see Blackfish? I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it, but I know what, yeah. You know, the effect it had was yeah, that exactly. it put the whole orca breeding training show industry out of business because yeah. people found out how cruel it was. And so every time these producers came, we were happy to talk to them about the issues and show them around the sanctuary and answer any questions that they had because we thought that we were going to be ending the abuse of big cats and instead we got tiger king but we had been working with a number of other production companies as well and as these films have been coming out what i find people in the media coming to me and saying you know the one negative in big in uh, tiger king the other things that we worked on have all been about the issues Mm -hmm. but the media says we want to tell your story you know what they really want to do is just talk about tiger king more yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah i thought you know everybody in tiger king was saying she knows more than what she's saying and so i thought you know what i'll just put out there for everybody everything i knew about what was happening at the time yeah and i thought well as long as i'm going to do that you have to kind of set the context of how did this all start and so i've always kept a diary and I decided I'd just start at the beginning. And if yeah. people got bored out of their minds, then <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but at least I did it in sections. So as you probably know, there's yeah. like, you know, from this year to this year. And so if you're looking for a particular thing, you can get right to it. And I thought that would be the best way for people to really see what was really going on yeah. if they wanted the whole story. Because even with a podcast like yours, I mean, we've been talking now for like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long we plan to talk, but you can't say everything that happened in an hour or even two hours yeah. or even seven hours, which is what Tiger King was. So I thought putting it out there every day for people so that they could see for themselves who all of these characters were and what was going on in the yeah. <laughs> the real context of things, not the salacious feud context of things, yeah. that maybe they would have a, a better understanding of what was going on. What's been sad is that I'm told that close to 70 million people have seen Tiger King now, and I've seen 14,000 people on the 
YouTube channel. So it tells me that not nearly as many people care about the truth as they did about being entertained. Yeah. What's well, so I feel like if someone just did a quick Google search, they would find out the truth. Like it's not that hard to find, <laughs> but I feel like people are very, I don't know. I, I'm always confused how people love all the saliciousness and all the crazy instead of the actual truth of things, like in any in industry, especially, but yeah. Ugh. You know, I, I was thinking about that yesterday, that it's kind of this, and I kind of blame it. I hate to blame anybody, but I kind of blame no. this on the way social media works Yeah, because we can choose what we want to hear and what we want to believe. And we filter out everything else, all of the opposing ideas and thoughts. And when we get ourselves into that kind of a bubble and we see the confirmation bias around us of everybody who wants to think the same way that we do, then we never really have a full picture of what's going on. And I think that's what's hurting us in politics. Yeah. I, it's definitely what happened in Tiger King. Yeah. And just every element of our society, we have so screwed ourselves by not looking at all of these other viewpoints. Yeah. I try when I don't believe much of what I see in the news because I see them get so much of it wrong. Yeah. But I try to watch like all of the different types of channels. So I watch Fox News and I watch CNN and I watch BBC and I watch Al Jazeera's and Al Jazeera's and all yeah. of the different um, other countries, the way they portray our news, you know, yeah, what do they no. think about us? Yeah. And so I think we need that kind of unfiltered yeah. um, input. Yeah. And I know you're one of the top people on Cameo. How do you like doing Cameo? I, I, one of my friends uh, got a Cameo from you and would not stop talking about it for weeks. Loved it <laughs> so much. So how, how do you like doing it? Do you have a favorite thing that you do during them or anything like that? I do about 15 of those a day. And wow. I just crossed over the 3000 mark of them. I started <laughs> doing them in July. Um, I was late to the game. All of the other people wow. on Tiger King jumped in right after Tiger King and I tried to stay away from it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mostly because I couldn't use my phone because it was ringing every two minutes with people cursing me out because of oh. what we seen on Tiger King. Yeah. For three months, it was like that. Oh my God. <laughs> but <laughs> I actually recorded something like three hours of people threatening to kill me and telling me what a horrible person I was just so people could hear this lunacy yeah. that was coming from people watching a tv show and believing it yeah um in fact youtube made me take it down but i left it up on vimeo because yeah. i felt like it was important for people to see the kind of reaction that people had to tiger king and how completely misled they were but as far as what cameo did for me it won we had to close our doors to visitors on March the 15th because of COVID. Wow. And then five days later is when Tiger King came out. And so we had people threatening to storm the gates. They wanted to kill me. They wanted to kill the cats. They wanted to kill my family. People were driving uh, drones over the property. People were coming over the fences. We had to put more barbed wire up around all of the sanctuary. Oh my gosh. And, and it costs us a million dollars a year in tour revenue by having our gate shut. And so I was looking for things that I could do to try and offset that because yeah. a lot of charities, we can't just say, okay, we're going to stay closed until things get better. We've got 52 big cats out there that have to eat yeah. every day. Yeah. And so the Dancing with the Stars brought in some money. And then the cameos, the thing that, um, of course, the money helps take care of the cats. So that's great. 
But the thing about Cameo that I was not anticipating was that connection that I feel to all of these people who are not screaming at me yeah, and how they've invited me into their lives and their businesses as a way of, um, I get an awful lot of requests from businesses to try and pump up their sales team or pump up the people who have yeah. been suffering because of COVID. I had one of the most touching ones that I've done yet was just last week and a man's wife was on a ventilator in a hospital and he needed her to hang on and to try and cheer her up and to remind her that, you know, everybody loved her. And I could hardly keep from crying through the whole thing because it was just yeah. so touching. Oh, but I thought, you know, that just, there's so much going on out there, especially right now because of the pandemic that is so much worse than anything I've ever had to deal with. And so I think it, it's helped me um, have more compassion for how yeah. people can sometimes be really nasty when things are, when their whole life is falling apart around them. Sometimes yeah. they can't be their best or they're yeah. looking for somebody to blame. Yeah. And I think that I really filled that role for people in 2020 of somebody you could blame for yeah. everything. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow. That's incredible that you did that though. I'm like getting emotional too. That's such a nice, like, it just shows what kind of impact you have. Like, even if you don't maybe realize it, like I always get that with comedy. I don't think I like make an impact. And then I'm like, Oh wait, I get like a message like that. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like I just told a dumb joke, but yeah. Comedy is so important because it, the, what makes something funny is the fact that so many people can relate to it. Yeah. And when you reach people at that level that you make them laugh, you have reached them at a level of humanity that you can't reach in probably any other way. Yeah. If you're like me, you have no time for breakfast. Trust me, I get it. And finding something healthy can sometimes be really difficult. So use Magic Spoon. It's this great cereal. It is low carb, high protein, and just in the guest listeners get 10% off. Again, that's 10% off. Use code Jess and the guest at www.magicspoon.com. What do you think is the future of Big Cat Rescue now too? Like, do you see yourselves doing like any other TV shows? I loved your newsletter that you send out. I thought it was so well done. So well written. Like, what do you think is the future in terms of, well, really anything, I guess, but yeah. There's so much on that. I know. Yeah. I was going to say, wait, that's a really broad question, but for just maybe one thing of the future, maybe narrow it down a little um, if I had to narrow it down to one thing, you know, when my husband and I got married, we had our honeymoon on, um, in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and <laughs> this is so non-romantic, I sat down and wrote a 20-year plan for the sanctuary <laughs> during our honeymoon. Oh, my God. And during, and we've been married now for 17 years, wow. or been together for 17 or 18 years we've been together since 2002, 18 years, Incredible, yeah. Um, but when I wrote that plan, I wrote it out with, you know, these are the industries that I want to end. I want to end the practice of using fur on garments or, you know, trims on things. I want to get rid of the fur industry. And we've pretty much done that. And by 2019, the fur industry was pretty much dead, especially when it came to cats. Yeah. I wanted to end the circus industry. And again, by 2019, the circus was out of business after, what, 150 years of ringling. They were like, people don't want to see this anymore. We're out of here. Yeah. 
and I wanted to end the practice of killing animals in cages um, in these canned hunts. Well, you hardly ever see that anywhere except for South Africa now. And the whole thing in South, South Africa is fueled by the fact that they can make money off of the cub padding up front and then shoot the cats when they get bigger in a cage because they walk right up to the people that can't hunt and they can kill them. And so we're so close to ending the cub petting in the US. And I think that's what we have to do to be able to end it in these other countries as well. So I feel really confident about that. But the one thing that has been the hardest for me is zoos. I don't believe that any big cat belongs in a cage. And when I say big cat, I'm talking about anything, you know, like bobcats, which are 20 pounds up to 750 pound ligers. Um, They just don't belong in cages. We had a bobcat here that was in rehab and I watched her, our rehab cages are close to 5,000 square feet. And I watched her making laps one night she did the equivalent of 16 miles in a single night on that camera. And that tells you there's no cage that's sufficient for a wildcat. Yeah. So the zoos have been the hardest thing for me to crack that nut. Yeah. And I think that we're going to be able to do it through virtual reality and augmented reality. And I actually have here on my desk my headset because (laughs) what we did when in 2019 was we created the world's first and second augmented reality zoo where it's uh, in the mall and it's just these beautiful posters all over of different species of cats and then when you put your phone up to the poster it leaps to life with a video about that species of cat so the tiger poster will launch a minute-long video of tigers and a lion will do lions and so um, I'm actually today going to be taking over a full display of that to the Museum of Science and Industry and they're setting up a big display there at their facility for people to be able to use that technology that we've done. And then we decided last year we wanted a virtual reality game. Do you do any gaming? Do you have yeah, a little bit? Yep. I feel so like it's we, taken off now too with the pandemic. Like I feel like everyone that's all they're doing. <laughs> at least that's all I hear about. Yeah. I think it, it The pandemic, as horrible as it is, has really pushed that technology forward probably by 15 years. Oh, yeah. And I I would never have been able to do this like a year ago. Like, I would be like, (laughs) what is a Zoom? What am I doing? What is, but yeah. Yeah, we've all become uh, much more literate in the virtual world. (laughs) So when you put on the headset, you are transformed into this forest in India and the, the, park ranger comes over and they says, hey, one of our tigers is missing. We need your help. They teach you all about how to track a tiger. You're learning all of these clues and having to find these different clues. Mm -hmm. And then you discover that this tiger has been snared by poachers and you go through the things that our veterinarians would go through to make sure she's okay. And then you're the one that releases her back to the wild and she runs off and she chases prey. And you come back to the ranger station and we show you how the cub petting is actually causing the extinction of the tiger in the wild and it then allows you to connect right to your member of congress to ask them to support our bigcatact.com if you go there you can reach out to your member of congress right away and we give a little script we provide an email we provide a tweet so people don't have to know anything about the issue they just have to know i want to save tigers And so by doing all of that in virtual reality, we did it as a way of showing zoos, you don't need to have wild animals in cages to teach people about conservation or caring about these animals. You could have these 
essentially huge video arcades where you go into one exhibit and, and you're in the Himalayas and you're seeing snow leopards in the wild doing what snow leopards are really doing instead of seeing one just languishing in a cage. Yeah. So that's our next big thing is to try and get zoos to transform into being much more humane, yeah. uh, not holding animals hostage and being much more interactive and entertaining and educating. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that's so much more interactive. I feel like that would catch people's attention, especially even like little kids, like like they just see it, they would just see an animal and leave versus learning something. And that's an amazing idea. I hope, I hope everyone does that. That's incredible. So, and all right, my last question. Um, I, when I was doing research on you, one thing I really noticed too, was I feel like you give really good dating advice. Like, um, <laughs> I was like blown away by it. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I feel like you should do like a dating book or something with <laughs> like how to, because you said something about before. You everything not to do if you've been listening <laughs> to my diary. <laughs> no, because you said something before Howard, you were always dating kind of like guys that um, maybe we're womanizing and I feel like so many women relate to that. Do you have any good dating advice for women? Cause I feel like you are the queen of that. Cause I'm like, I need all the advice I can get right now. <laughs> well, I have to hand it to a hypnotherapist because I always had trouble with my weight. And I think the reason for that is that I try to keep men at bay. And I, I was, I was born with, you know, I was blonde and blue-eyed and voluptuous, and I had all of those kinds of things just naturally given to me by my genetics, yeah. which just attracted all of this wrong kind of attention from men. And not knowing how to deal with it, yeah. I got involved in a whole lot of things where I ended up being abused and really uh, mentally abused as well as physically abused. And so I went to, a, and I think that what I did to try and keep men at bay was I eight and eight and eight to try and be overweight and unattractive as much as I possibly could be to keep men away. Yeah. And so I went to a hypnotherapist and I said, I don't know why I have this problem with my weight. What am I doing? And so during one of these sessions, he had me, you know, and if you've ever been in therapy, you've probably had this, you know, you're walking down the beach and you see this child in the distance and it turns out that child is you yeah. <laughs> and you and that child have this conversation. And it's like, yeah. what would you tell your little five-year-old you? Yeah. And it was through that awakening that I was like, wow, this is what I'm doing wrong. And so I did find that it was a lot easier to lose weight after that. I was like 212 pounds at my, at my peak. And right now I'm about 165, I think. Amazing. But yeah, and it's it hasn't been a struggle at all. And so it's just a matter of getting your head wrapped around what's going on in your life and why you're doing it. But the other thing that I realized is I keep attracting this same kind of very charismatic, um, daredevil kind of guy that just makes me feel like I'm riding right on the edge. And I loved that thrill, you know? And it was always so bad for me. <laughs> Bit, yep, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so after that hypnotherapy session, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look for the next person that I date. I'm going to pick somebody that would have been so totally not my type. And yeah. we talked about this just at the very beginning of this. When I first saw Howard, I looked at him and here he is this very straight laced, you know, he wears a sweater vest kind of guy. <laughs> and it, he was just as safe as a person could possibly be. And I thought he was totally different than anybody I'd ever dated. And he, he has proven to be, <laughs> and he's proven to be perfect. 
because he just he ticks off all of the boxes for what you really want in a in a mate which is somebody who has integrity that was for me as I've started learning more about dealing with people when you first meet them and you're saying you know what do you do what do you like I find the questions I ask them are things like what's the most important character trait that you possess? And why do you think that's the most important character trait? And if integrity isn't top of their list, they probably aren't somebody you need to mess with. But for him, it was top of his list. And I love that about him. And I know that everything that he tells me will be truthful and that I can trust him. And he's always proven that to be the case. And that's the kind of person you want to trust your heart to, not some crazy daredevil, you know, James Dean kind of <laughs> guy. That might be exciting, but that is not going to end well. <laughs> yep. No. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kat, for doing this. You're incredible. Your work is incredible. I, I don't know how you do everything you do and do it so well. So I just appreciate you doing this so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Carol. Bye. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Jess and the guest. Please like, subscribe. You know the drill. All right, tune in next Thursday for a brand new episode and thank you again.